Hello and welcome to the Creative Champs podcast. I'm your host, Kimei, and I'm here to help make your creative journeys a whole lot easier through the Creative Champs platform. Now, another disclaimer, I am recording this during lockdown, so the quality might be a little bit, mm, a little bit off, but let's just try and focus on the content guys we're trying to make the best of this um so apologies again if you hear any background noises throughout the duration of this recording now this episode is all about contracts contracts are so essential contracts are probably one of the most important things that you could ever think to have during your career as a freelancer, as a creator, as in anything, because I I know of some people in the past, I'm not judging anybody, but I'm just saying, I know of some people, I've met people in my life who have foregone the whole contract thing because they thought, oh, do you know what? Like, I know this person, this person's my friend, isn't it? It's not going to go wrong. It can't go wrong. It's fine. And then it ends up going wrong. It ends up going pear-shaped and they ain't got a leg to stand on because they ain't got no contract. They ain't got no signature. There's no terms. There's nothing that's been outlined. So it ends up being a case of, well, he said, she said, you know? So I just wanted to comb through the things that you should have within a contract because you need a contract regardless, whether you know, whether you've known them for years or not, whether you trust them or whatever you need a contract for every creative project you take on just to safeguard yourselves you know it's not anything that's particularly um difficult to obtain it's i mean yeah it can take a little bit of time to put together but i have actually offered something which i will be speaking about at the end um yeah i have actually offered something to help with that but it's something that you need because if you start to realise that, you know what, this person is probably not going to pay me, what what do you have to even think of getting that money back or getting, getting paid that money in the first place if you don't have a contract? Do you know what I mean? So it just makes things a lot easier and a lot more smoother to work with. Now, what should you include in your contracts, right? So the contracts that I write tend to include a statement of work, which is an outline of what you're going to be delivering, what it's going to be used for. Uh, I also include a process. So I will speak about the timeline um, of the project and how things will flow, at what points to expect what things, etc, etc. And then I also include terms of service, which will have all of the, you know, the ramifications or it will have the, the outlines of revision caps, um, and when to expect payment, um, and if you want to terminate a contract, how that would work, you know, all of the little boring jibbly bits I put in the terms of service. Now, I'm just going to go through a few of the key areas of a contract that you should really consider when you are moving forward with a creative project. So we've got the statement of work, which I've mentioned. So in this section, you would talk about what it is that you're actually providing and be specific. Are you providing JPEGs? Are you providing PDFs? Are you providing PNGs, TIFFs? Yeah, be specific about the file format that you're sending and also be specific about the title of the project and what it is and what it's intended for. 
So are you creating a visual identity campaign or logos? And if you are producing a set of logos, how many individual files will you be sending? Like, will you be sending color variations? All that sort of thing. You need to be really specific about what it is that you will be delivering, okay? Also, how long it will take approximately. So have a, an outline of a timeline, okay? So you might start off with receiving the deposit, then producing or getting to work on a mood board or a strategy board, and then getting to work on a first draft, yeah? Then you'll send it to the client for feedback. Then if they proceed to go ahead, blah, 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 you know, so you, you will outline the steps of your process in that section, just to let them know how, how you work, first of all, how you work and what the timeline will look like, what the process will look like, and so that they know what to expect as the next stage in the process. Rush fees. Now, if you <laughs> come across somebody who expects you to create something in a day or a week or however long, it would be, a rush fee would be applied if it's expected in an unreasonable amount of time because that happens. Some people think, well, it, it's not gonna take you long. It's just a simple X, Y, Z, right? And the, the, I'll tell you from now, anybody who says anything like that, I'm sorry, they will never be a client of mine because they don't understand. When people make statements like that, they don't understand the quality that needs to go into something. They don't understand the time. They don't understand any of the logistics, right? I find people like that an absolute nightmare to work with. And when you try to explain to them, like, look, bro, look, dude, look, whoever, this is a process, okay? And you need to allow us to just apply our usual process and get this work done to the best of our abilities so that you can get what you've paid for. Do you know what I mean? But I digress. So a rush fee would be applied if you are expected to produce something in a turnaround time that is nowhere near what you would usually work within for a project. Another really important part of this um, whole agreement, yes, you, you, you might say that you need to receive the deposit before you start, but are you offering exact timeframes? Because what can happen is you'll be waiting for a deposit for ages, for months, and then you're thinking, well, do I still move ahead with the project? At what point do I say, mm, okay, maybe I've got to close the door on this? If you outline in your contract specific dates, so for me, I give them, well, <laughs> once they've agreed that the fee is something that they are happy with, then we can proceed with the project, then I will give them maximum, even a week is a stretch for me. I usually give them about three days, three working days to send the payment over, right? I say give, but this was, this is, I, <laughs> I need to reword this. This was when I used to freelance because I don't freelance now because I think some people are a bit, uh, <laughs> they think I still freelance now. So I still get requests. Thank you very much, but I don't. I stopped that now. I coach now, okay? Uh -huh. But back in the day when I used to work as a freelancer, I used to give them around three days to make the deposit payment. And if they didn't pay within that time frame, without good reason, then I just move on, I close the door on the project. But that was just me. That was my personal threshold. So whatever your threshold is, you need to be specific about it and you need to stick to it. And you need to make sure that the client is aware of these deadlines for payment as well. 
And also the point when you're about to send the final version, you need to receive the rest of the payment before you do that. Now, there needs to be a deadline for this as well, because you'll say, all right, upon receiving feedback or upon receiving confirmation that the final piece is approved, there needs to be a payment made by da 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 da. You know, you wouldn't word it like that. I have templates for that as well, actually, for when you're requesting money. So I have templates and things that you could, but you know what? Wait till the end of the podcast episode and I'll tell you where to find all these things. So, yeah, so then you would need to outline, okay, from the moment that you have um, sent your approval, you will have, I don't know, give them however many days that you want to give them to make the payment the final payment to receive the final piece of work and again if they pass that payment date then you have to send them a or a reminder and then if they still don't send the remaining payment after that then you don't release it until they do you don't release it until they do you archive that shit you say all right well they're making me wait for my money so they're gonna have to wait for their thing and if they don't ever come back then I mean, well, they, they're likely to come back, but because, yeah, it might be the case that they just don't have the remaining funds. I don't know. Or some people just try to skimp out of it and they say, oh, just send me. Can you just send me the preview or can you just send me the document like without the watermark, like a low quality version? And people can still use low quality versions, but obviously they can't. <laughs> they won't get the full quality or the full usability of the product. But when you're sending out proofs, always watermark it, at least watermark 60% of the image. That's what you need to do. Like just lambast your brand, your logo, whatever, all over that shit. But enough that they can still see the the quality or the imagery underneath. But yeah, you can't be sending out files without watermarks, regardless of the quality, because some people will still use that. They'll still use that. They'll put it in their, um, what's it called? their little profile pictures on Instagram or they'll post it as a post and use it as, do you know what I mean? So you need to make sure that that is protected. Now, the next part you need to outline is sort of a non-disclosure, a non-disclosure agreement um, or a non-disclosure, non-disclosure clause, right? Which will prevent the recipient from leaking any information about the project or any of the sketches you might send over, any of the mood boards you might send over, anything you send over relating to the project, right? They need to agree that it will be kept confidential and only shared with the parties that you have mentioned in the statement of work, because that's another part you need to add in your statement of work. Who is going to see this work? Okay, who is going to be receiving the files? Who are you going to be liaising with? throughout the duration of the project. Those are the only people who are allowed to see the work before it's ready for public release. And they have to agree not to share any of the work. So include a a non-disclosure clause within that because what has happened is information is leaked, right? Or ideas are leaked, drafts, sketches, brainstorms, whatever. Because what can happen if that information gets leaked and it gets into the wrong hands, you can see your idea being used somewhere else in another, it could be another company, it could be, you You just never know. You just never know. One of the people on the team might be setting up their own team, you know? And I will make an episode about that. I will, because I don't think enough people speak about that side of things, but those 
situations and those experiences have helped to make me a, a, um, a lot more resilient and um, find ways to safeguard myself, which is what I'm hoping that will become an easier process for you guys that are listening. Um, if it's something that you find quite difficult and also a revision cap. Now this, <laughs> a revision cap is what will prevent the constant back and forth. Can you change this? Can you add that? Can we do this? Can we do that? And it goes on and on and on, right? And you're thinking, oh my gosh, when will this project be over with? I'm so sick of it, please. How many back and forths can we do? And what I want to add as well, in order to remove it, or not remove it, because you can't ever remove scope creep, but you can, you can reduce it, okay? And the way you reduce it is actually by having more face-to-face -face meetings or Zoom meetings in this climate and this pandemic. Um, but having more meetings and being really specific, getting the client to be really specific about what it is that they want. What is the purpose of the project? Because when you get caught in a back and forth about um, aesthetics, for example, you then start to lose control in the situation and the client ends up becoming the designer. You are the designer, you are the creator, okay? And the client needs to trust that you are able to deliver and produce something that will help bring them closer to their goals. Now, you're not gonna be able to do that if they are constantly trying to guide and direct you in terms of how to stylize the product, how to make the product, how to, um, what colors to use. You know, obviously, if it's a branding campaign, for example, and they have their set colors and they are established and those colors are working for them, great. But if they are, you know, they might be a startup, they might be a fledgling company. I don't know if that's the word to use, fledgling, but it just sounds good. Um, <laughs> they might just be starting out and they might be unsure of their colors. They might think, okay, these are the colors we were using, but you might, from your experience, you might understand that certain colors mean certain things. You know, if you listen back to the podcast episode about how to up your game as a designer I speak about learning about color psychology and the connections that certain colors have with certain feelings and thoughts and associations so again you need to be trusted to deliver the work and understand that if you notice something that you think isn't going to really work or that you think could be improved that you will be they will be open to feedback and you obviously have to be open to feedback as well because you might you might miss a beat, we, we're human, but they also need to be really open to constructive criticism in terms of colour schemes they might be using and things that they might have in place that might be preventing them from moving closer to their goals. And if you recognise that, you can't feel afraid to share this with them because this is something that can help propel them. Now, this is another th thing that I personally include in my contracts is the scope for feedback you know uh, and that we have the ability to have open discussions constructive dis discussions and that they understand that at the end of the day our goal is to simply help bring them closer to their goals through effective and attractive design okay so that's another clause that you can include in there as well now what I was going to say at the start of the podcast is that I have actually offered a free contract template. Now, 
it's only available for a limited time um so i would grab it pretty quickly uh you can get it off the creative champs instagram page because the website is still under construction but it's almost there and i've been saying this for ages but it genuinely is i'm getting all the the things together i'm getting the products together and it's coming along fabulously so i'm very excited about it but in the meantime instagram is the place where everything is at the moment so if you go to the bio there are all the links in there so we've got the templates in there as well that i mentioned earlier the email templates and we've also got the contract template that's available for a limited time only with all of the clauses that i've mentioned um and just something to work from so you might want to add to it you might want to remove some things it's up to you but that's available for download now so as always if there's anything that you would like me to cover on this podcast just feel free to hit me up in the dms or send an email to hi at creativechamps.co and we will endeavor to include this on the podcast uh, and help you guys with your creative conundrums and help you maneuver this creative jungle okay with a bit more ease and um yeah just to make things a bit smoother but that's all we've got time for in this episode thank you so much for tuning in And I will speak to you same time next week. All right, take care.